very lucky, had a great family, uh, wife, three, three sons. I think without Sistema, I would have been the Nixon of the family. I would have been that intellectual with high IQ, who's always right, and me, and nasty. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Dimitri, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to see you. It was, uh, it was nice to see you a couple of weeks ago up in the um, at the Against Tension seminar up in the Toronto System HQ. It was uh, nice to train with you uh, again, as always. we've uh, I've had not so many opportunities um, to cross paths with you, just at uh, big seminars once every few years or something like that, but I've, I've always in, enjoyed uh, your teaching and your perspective. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, on and off, I think over a course of, what, about 12 years now? I think something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think um, first time I bumped into you, it might have been you were translating for Vladimir, a seminar that he did in Delaware, I want to say, maybe in about 2007. So that probably was about 12 <laughs> years ago. Uh, yeah, I remember now. <laughs> yeah, I seem to remember something yeah. like that. I'm, I'm remember, oh, that's the guy is, from the DVDs. I remembered that it was your same voice. So you... <laughs> yeah, and I remember, I remember uh, having to remember your, your name. So you gave me your name multiple times, and I forgot a couple of times. It's like, okay, astronaut, astronaut. <laughs> Glad, I don't know. Now you I associate you with an astronaut for for, for that reason. So whatever works, whatever works. Bro. Yes. So um, so can you tell tell folks uh, whereabouts you're based? You're in Chicago, Illinois. I'm based right? in Chicago. Yeah, I live yeah. in the suburbs. I teach in the in the city. Um. So so yeah, uh, have been here since 1998. Since 98. Um, where were you before that? I grew up in Russia. I I was born, grew up, uh, studied, went to college, um, and then found a job actually working for an American company in Russia and mm-hmm. back in 98 um, there was an opportunity for me to go to come and, and kind of uh, have a one-year stint here in the States to get to know the you know how the company works and all the different departments and and then the uh, the Russia economy collapsed and uh, I mm-hmm. was given an option to stay and I, I chose that. Cool so what line of work are you, are you in when you're not doing this now? I'm, uh, by trade I'm a chemical engineer yeah uh, so I work in the fuels industry um hmm. so yeah that's same same employer for 24 years now yeah, <laughs> so. yeah a lot a lot of engineers a lot of doctors and engineers in system i find i was just inter- interviewing uh lance rowitz la- uh, last week and he's a you know systems engineer and there's, there's so many people that come from either like medicine or engineering it seems people sure. who are yeah. who are you know curious and understand uh about how things are put together and entire systems, it seems like uh, it appeals. Systema appeals to them in a way. <laughs> it kind of makes oh, yeah. sense. Systema, yeah, Systema is about staying curious. I mean, the Systema is a live thing. I mean, it, it evolves, and if you lose touch, that's the reason I keep coming back to uh, those seminars and yeah. and annual events at least, and, and and try to do this at least a couple, three times a year uh, to stay connected. Otherwise, you feel like a branch, you know, of a, of a tree that is going, yeah, uh, you know running amok you know going somewhere in a completely different direction then you realize yeah oh, uh, um am i still connected to the main tree yeah exactly yeah i, I, I get that feeling I've, i try to go up to hq twice a year and then get to a couple of seminars in between and i, I can really feel it in that kind of uh, those those intervening periods you know just uh, when yep. i'm about like six months away from hq i start to feel like a moldy apple I'm, I'm not it's, exactly far. yeah yeah like when you cut the apple it gets uh brown first and then uh yeah yeah, I think as long Not as you, pleasant. as long as we understand that, I think it's okay. I think if you're a moldy apple and you don't know you're a moldy apple, that's probably the worst case scenario. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah, spread your mold everywhere else if you do that. 
So, so, um, so have you been training since you moved to Chicago, um, or did you start training well, actually not, in Russia before really. you moved? It, it's funny. I, I, you know, people ask me this question all the time. Well, how many years did you spend in Spetsnaz or something like this? I'm <laughs> it's like, it's a standard, right? You know, You're Russian in the system. I, I, Russian, Russian. You know, all kinds of stereotypes. But no, that the truth is, it was, uh, I guess, classified back at the time in the Soviet days, and I didn't have a clue. I mean, I, I came yeah. here to the states and. The first uh, first notion I heard was in 2002, three time frame, mm. where a friend of mine actually went to Aiki Expo, mm. and I've been Aikido prior to that for, for multiple years, and so he went to Aiki Expo, was completely blown away. He was a black belt yeah. uh, teacher by the, at the time, and um, that's how he introduced me to Sistema. He was passing through through the the city, he stayed overnight at, at our place, and and so um, I remember distinctly we went to a, to a restaurant and you know had a good time coming out, and he's like. Okay, have you heard about Sistema? And, and Sistema in Russian just is the word for the system, right? Sure. What, yeah. what system, right? And just says, no, the, the fighting system, the martial arts system. I have no idea. And all of a sudden, no introduction, he says, punch me. I'm like, mm. pardon me? <laughs> and he goes, no, yeah, punch me. I'm like, okay. And I do kind of a, a kind of a feeble attempt. And uh, and he says, no, no, for real. Go ahead, go ahead and punch me. Says, <laughs> I, I, can, I can take it. And so I, I whack him in the face, and, and he moves his shoulder to block. Hmm. I'm, whoa i've not seen that before yeah not in keto hmm. and, and that that got me hooked um and then within a few months i started training here in chicago so that was uh great uh, you know interesting i found the school and so, it was it took two for me actually my my keto sensei yeah uh, talked to me and said well this russian gentleman was looking for a place to 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 practice uh and have a school hmm. and so he stopped buying his card yeah give him a call maybe you're you know you'll learn something Right, and that was probably his big mistake. Is that I never came back to, to Aikido after that. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of us have made that migration. I did myself as well, like a bunch of years. And right. Then, but yep. So, so who was that you started training with? So there was a pre-existing group in Chicago. Then, by the time you found it, or? yes, it was. Yeah, there was a gentleman named Marcotti here yeah. in, in in Chicago. Uh, back in, I, I don't know when he started the school, but back in twenty two thousand three, that was an active, um, very act, active school. It was a, a charismatic person. Uh, yeah. He passed away. They, 29 oh, sorry. and so mm -hmm. um yeah so uh there was a, a kind of a, a couple of years where we went in limbo and you know whoever was able to teach where it was teaching and i was faced with the um I, I guess um the situation where um my local church actually russian church contacted me saying well we got a place to study we have an enthusiastic group of people mm. and we're just looking for an instructor i'm like great but we don't have one it's like mm. well can you consider you know starting a study group so i called vladimir uh, and valerie on the phone and and they were talking and they say oh good timing man you know we're on the line with with um with headquarters of moscow mm. so we're talking to michael rapko right now can you hold the line i will check with him mm. and I'm, sure sounds good so they talk and he says yeah go ahead you know this is great okay go ahead and you were i'm like what what is the uh <laughs> you know what 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 is my status? Well, who am I? Like you leading a study group. Mm -hmm. Like that sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was very auspicious. It was perfect timing, and we had people ready to go. We had probably about a dozen people anxious. And you know, a lot of schools start with with nothing, and they have one, two dedicated students. And I started with uh, with a bunch. Yeah, yeah. We we kind of floundered for for a, for a little while, kind of hovering between 
like four and ten um uh-huh. and then at one point we moved to a, a new studio and i basically um people were saying they wanted me to like move and teach in a different part of town and i basically said yeah. i did a seminar and at the end of the seminar i said all right i need like a minimum of 10 people to sign up for like a year otherwise there, there won't be a class here right i can't just devote and 14 yeah. people signed up and we've had that like core of like 10 to 14 all the way through yeah. we've grown from there but yeah i think it, it's really important to get a, a core of um hardcore nutters mm-hmm. to, to go all in <laughs> so oh yeah the school around yeah yeah you need the backbone right yeah so um so how did you um first meet um vladimir or michael so you mentioned that you called up vladimir so by this time while you were training in chicago you you must have met him or maybe you went to yeah so that was that was 2008 when i started um you know study group and then got certified and you know fully certified as a teacher yeah but uh, 2003 i think i as soon as i started training with arkady he gave me a phone of michael um There's one year in Moscow because I traveled from, to Moscow. I, I traveled on business a couple of times a year. Uh, also, you know, visiting my family still there. My my, my dad is still in in Russia. Yeah. And um, and so he says we just give him a call. This that's headquarters number and, and um, you know, set up a, a private session with him. I'm like, me private with 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 Michael. I was completely like blown away. Is it really uh, appropriate? He yeah. Said, well, give him a call. He'll tell you. So I called. I thought it was a. Um, it was like a headquarters number, some kind of, a, you know, like you call it, had a number, you know, for shipping department, you know, press one or something. <laughs> sure. Well, that was his cell number. So he picks up and says, Dada, uh-huh. I'm like, hello. I'm like, uh, excuse me. And like, yes, yes, listening. That was Michael himself. I'm like, Michael, um, I'm just a student, you know, looking for a private session. Is it really possible? He says, are in Moscow? Yeah. Uh, well, can you make it by six tonight? Uh-huh. Yeah. And that was 2004. I had all of maybe five months of experience, but yeah. prior to that, and uh, I was blown away. I mean, with that meeting, that that session changed my life dramatically. Just so, one one in-person meeting with Michael. So, can you remember um, what what it was that you covered? What it was that you did, and and how long did you actually have? Well, it like, hmm. yeah, I had an hour and a half. Maybe I was full of ego, and still still am. But you know, I was really um, had an idea of what Systema should be like, mm. and of course. You know, We've been training five months. So you knew all about it by five now. Five months, I know. I mean, I'm the expert now. So, um, <laughs> yeah. like in some arts, you, you become a blue belt by that time, whatever, purple. Right. Anyway, so so I came in with uh, uh, what I thought was a clear understanding of what I needed. But it was what I wanted. But Michael actually knew what I actually needed, right? So it was kind of a weird session where we started off, I remember, with Sergei Azurelev. Sergei is his um, sure. next-door neighbor and, and longtime student, excellent instructor, fantastic mm. human. So he was there. He, he called um, Sergei. So I had two instructors for, for the price of one. And um, he started with um, me just saying, you know, do you know, like 50 push-ups and 50 squats and whatever. I'm like, you need to uh, get acclimated, he says. I'm like, mm. okay. <laughs> Basically, I just came with all stressed out from a conference and whatnot. And uh and uh, so I got tired really quickly, yeah. which is probably was that was probably his his goal. And then uh, we started working on some things like he said, uh, get in a push up and, and stay. Mm-hmm. And that's a, the static push up exercise we're all familiar with. But well, I wasn't mm-hmm. and I didn't know what I was supposed to do. So if, as soon as I get tired, they change position. Mm-hmm. I would move to my side. I would move even, you know, moving my, my hands backwards and all that. Uh-huh. What really in the hindsight, you know, what really surprised surprised me and, and, and impressed continues to impress me about Michael to this day is that of course he knew what the correct exercise was he never corrected me hmm. he stayed there for 10-15 minutes 
chatting with Sergey, and I was just in that position waiting for further instructions. And I, as soon as I get tired, which was quick <laughs> at the time, yeah. you know, I would change position, mm. which is not the purpose of the exercise. Yeah. He never corrected me, and mm. so that was another thing that was really that's, that stood out for me. Mm. Like, and at, at the end of the bonus, he gave me instructions on how to recover my eyesight. So I used to wear glasses, um, and I, I'm, I'm happy to share this with whoever, you know, anybody's interested in. I was farsighted and not nearsighted, so I don't know if that works for both. I do believe that. Mm. There's multiple mechanisms. I was doing Bates, um, you know, study from the book. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a, a doctor from the 70s, and he set up this yoga for your eyes uh, thing. So that was helpful, but not enough. Yeah. Um, and I went from having to drive with, with lenses, and, and now I drive with no, no corrective lenses or glasses. That's really interesting because I've heard that um, I've heard that claim before a couple of times with a couple of other instructors as well that you know they've yeah. um, they've either recovered eyesight themselves or I think there's even uh, one of the um, instructors in another style I think his name's uh, he's like a former military guy Maxim Tov or something like that and he yeah, I think actually on the course he overtly offers that he's like as part of the course mm-hmm. I'll cure your eyesight and make it better and I kind of looked at it yeah. skeptically like maybe some kinds of eyesight can like deficit can be that's cured probably. by that but like some yeah. if you've got an oblate eyeball or something that's going to or astigmatism yeah. it's going to be difficult yeah. but but I have heard there's, that and, yeah there's yeah. A, a chronic you know of course you know astigmatism and other things you know there's yeah. there's there's nervous corrections, there's muscular correction, and there's this blood flow, basically, uh, correction yeah. of feeding the uh, the eyeball. And I had a combination of the two, um, which mm. was the muscular, uh, just a habitual um, shift, I guess, sure. of the muscles, uh, and also the constriction of the blood flow. And so not enough, not enough uh, feed, basically, and the nutrients getting to the eye- eyeball. And so... so so it works for that. I'm sure it certainly works for that. Yeah, but actually, I mean, I had an ex- before Systema, actually, I had an experience of that. I lived in Japan a few years, and I was studying uh, kanji, you know, the very small symbols and writing hundreds of these every day, trying to learn them yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And um, and while I was, uh, before I went to Japan, my eyesight was fine. And then when I came back and moved back to London, did a master's degree, I, I started having trouble seeing uh, road signs at a distance. Oh. And uh, I would you know, be approaching a junction at 70 miles an hour and be like, oh, and I'd turn off at the last minute because I could. Right, and I said, yeah, exactly. I suddenly realized that I was waiting and way too long before I got a clear view. So I went to the opticians and they said, yeah, you're, you're, um, you're nearsighted and uh, it's, it's not extremely strong, but here's a prescription for, you know, glasses. And I wore glasses for about three, four years. And then, um, and then I just kind of fell off from studying Japanese writing. I kept studying the language, but I just didn't study the writing sure. very much anymore. Close work. And then naturally over a period of the next two years, every time I went back to the opticians, they said, oh, your prescription's less, it's less, it's less. And then eventually they were like, yeah, you have 20-20 vision. <laughs> so I stopped wearing glasses. Yeah. So it was literally I gave myself nearsightedness but by eye strain and, and muscle, uh, I guess, muscle strain, like studying kanji for that so two you years. Can so, see, you can yeah. see people in Japan, there's, a, I guess, a vast majority is wearing some kind of a correction, either lenses or, or glasses, sure. simply because that's how their uh, the language works, and you really have to process a ton of information mm. quicker, which do faster, and that's why they excel in mathematics. But that's yeah. there's a price to pay for that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to look at the uh, the genetic versus the environmental thing of that now. Yeah, there's this so is many certainly people, that's, but... that's more than uh, mm. I don't know how many percent, but yeah. a lot of that can be attributed to environmental for sure. Sure. Yeah. Start... Well, going back to that exercise, sure. yeah. so what, what uh, Michael made me do was, uh, you know, we'd, we'd have this walk and escape exercise, like you're probably familiar with. So we basically, you know, stand upright and you just walk, and yeah. you cannot really block any attacks or 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 dive or do anything. You just walk, but you escape by walking. 
Yeah. And of course, funny enough, we had the same exact drill on this on a new level a couple of years, a couple of weeks ago in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Where we learn how to walk again, you know, using your knees. Yeah. Uh, and so back then it was just like moving the way I moved, like a, I guess like a board. Yeah. <laughs> Stopping and starting and jumping. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. very like uh, transitioning from A to B and anything in between was was a challenge, right? Mm. So. What he made me do that is he had uh, Sergey attack with a knife, mm. uh, attack me, uh, attack in a straight line. You know he's not chasing me with a knife like a, you know like a, a crazy person, but yeah. he's just picking a line of attack. He says, okay, here's his attack. He's gonna see you, and wherever you are, he's gonna go at you at that at that spot. If you escape, he's not gonna chase you. Mm. I'm like okay, no problem. And he had me write numbers on the floor as if I'm walking in the snow, and I write numbers with my feet. Mm. Right, so. So that what's left, the trail that's left is, you know, the number one, number two, number three, etc. Mm. And he says, because you were good with numbers. I'm like, sure, sounds good. <laughs> um, and so I did that and I kept running into the knife all the time. Mm. And he says, see, knife has edges and the numbers also have, have edges. Also, they have imprint in your head. They, well, you ask yourself that question, are you the master of the numbers or are the, the numbers you know, control you. Mm. And at the time, I didn't really didn't pay much attention to that, but I realize now that um, numbers have their own tension because they're distinct, uh, what's the term, in, in um, integers, right? So they're, 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 instead of a spectrum, a full spectrum of things, imagine you only have certain wavelength or, or certain yeah. uh, supports, if you will, right? Yeah. With nothing in between. Mm. Like sleeping on, on nails or sleeping on on uh, narrow planks of wood with no mattress on them, right? And so that's the same thing. You have numbers, you think you have support, but that's an illusion. Mm. And he demonstrated that to me, you know, very, without explanation. He was just like, here's an exercise, experience it. Wow. Like most things in Sistema, that's one thing I value in Sistema, is that the language, the body language, the somatic language, is so much more powerful. Yeah. On the energy level, on the in a body level, and then you can intellectualize and you know write thesis about it and whatever you want to do, mm. but that's not important. That's a choice you can do it. Uh, I know a lot of people take tons and tons of notes. It's it's a great thing to write notes just to uh, help things crystallize in their head. Yeah. But head is a it's eighty twenty right? It's like the iceberg. You know, the head is the the, t the tip of the iceberg. Sure. It's important. But it's not most important. Most important is the body knowledge you get directly from that exercise. Yeah, and even in the way that it's taught as well, you know, it's um, even though we're, t we're teaching something that's physical and psychological at the same time, is that the experiential part seems to be the way that it's taught. I'm reminded a little bit of um, constructivism. Right? Um, I used to lead the uh, exhibitions and learning team at the National Museum of Science and Industry in London. And our, okay. our whole job was to build exhibits that teach people about friction and, you know, oh, nice. um, you know gravity and stuff like that and combustion, whatever it's going to be. But the whole idea was that if we built this exhibit and then uh, an adult or a kid came along and started playing with it and they couldn't figure it out themselves, we couldn't go up and be like, oh, do you know how this works? This represents the, you know, hydrofoil and this is blah, 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 <laughs> and this is how this works. Because then we kind of ruin the learning for them that they can't exactly. discover it for themselves. And even if you right. tell them they're like oh great you just told me something that's something you know that i don't but i'm reminded in sistema the way that we teach is very much the same way it's what we have to do instead is kind of guide people towards something and those exhibits were open-ended on purpose and then right. our jobs as you know staff at the museum or the people that I, were on my team that i managed had to go up and just kind of just lead people just guide them 
towards yep. some of the right answers, even get them to play with it wrong or do something wrong in order to kind of convince themselves of, of, of what it wasn't first and then they could work their way around. And it seems like the... That um, you know, especially with Michael and with Vladimir and with uh, Constantine working with them in uh, seminars and year after year up at HQ, it's the, the way that they want to teach you is not cerebral. It's not intellectual, right? They, they, they just want you to experience it and feel it, and, and then you'll understand. Yep. And it's almost like sometimes uh, you know, he's like, "Any questions?" And sometimes I used to ask a lot of questions, you know, like yep. tons and tons. And and the, the further I go, I'm like, "Nah, there's not really much point in me asking this question. Right. I just yep. need to wait and feel it and do more." And it's, and sometimes you get this little knowing smile when you're about to ask something you don't. And Vlad's like, "Yeah, yeah, that's right. That was the right question. No question." <laughs> it's like it's kind of funny. Yeah, my, Michael. Michael, uh, it's 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 interesting though. Some people liken the uh, the three um, teachers that that I have I have most experience with. So between Michael, Vladimir, and Constantine, yeah, uh, the three epic heroes of of Russian, they're called bogatirs, mm. uh, or the uh, the ancient warriors, right. right? The superhumans, right? And of course, there were all kinds of powers attributed to them, and they were based on real people, or maybe a combination of of real people. Hmm. And in, in Russia, there's this, this trio of Ilya, um, Dobrynya, and uh, Alyosha. So the three guys, they, they have this, that kind of a built and that kind of the same characteristics as, as the three we have here. That it's, it's uncanny. Wow. Uh, so Ilya from Murom uh, is, was, was the guy who actually was sick for the first 30 years of his life. And then he was magically cured by a... Uh, by wandering monks, if you will, or wandering healers. Hmm. Uh, and the age of 33 is when he just got started. And it's funny, you know, I got my system started at 30. I'm like, okay, I'm not missing out too much because, you know, <laughs> there are historical precedents that, you know, it's it's okay if I didn't know about system at the age of five like Michael did. Sure. And, and so uh, and so Michael also was, you know, had injuries and, and uh, war history. And it's it's he says it's a miracle he's alive. And I, I believe that. Um, after all the, and the the situations at war, obviously that lots of that is classified. But sure. uh, you know, he's got injuries and still has metal in his body that prevents him from moving perfectly. But he does the best he could, and that's the inspiration for for all of us. Is yeah. that look, even with the best of the the conditions, a lot of people just take it for granted and do nothing about it. Mm. Uh, um, I had a, I listened to an interesting. Um, a video yesterday, or I just watched a video by uh, a comedian named Michael Jr. Um, he's an African American comedian. Yeah. He's in the, the title of the movie is more than funny. Uh, so he actually does he does some jokes and they're pretty funny. They're they're you know deep, nice uh, jokes that you have this first laugh, and then after a few seconds you realize the the real meaning. Like oh that that one. Ah, yeah. So and his main thing was okay. Um, so every joke has a setup and the punchline. Hmm. All right. So everybody in life, you know, you, you, me, everybody else has a setup, a set of conditions, a set of, um, you know, hereditary limitations or whatnot, racial, it could be upbringing, could be your, your health history, whatnot, right? Hmm. All of that. That's a setup. Hmm. All this setbacks are part of the setup. And this system, we learn using those setbacks as a le- and leverage them to get better. Hmm. Which is kind of it's it's a paradox, right? The people who achieve the most, and you, you can look at a lot of you know, artists and and um, you know, actors and celebrities and athletes too. Mm. Vast majority of the celebrities who really reach that you know the, the super high level, the elite level, 
they had a, a, their fair share of of, uh, of difficulties and setbacks. Yeah. And demo, so we sometimes we put ourselves in the position to to experience that, you know, to push push ourselves not to the limit, of course, but you know, to to a situation where you realize you're not in control and you know, yeah, you have your own limitations. You're human, and that's where magic happens. Yeah, it's a very well recognized um, phenomenon, I think, in um, especially in like stress research and also um, in the study of like post traumatic stress and recovery and resilience and stuff like that. I'm in that field a bit. I um, work with the local university, Duke University, on stress research. I've been doing a project for the last um, three or four years, um, okay, and it's so well known that um, like adverse childhood experiences and like adversity you would you would assume that you know if you have a terrible experience in your childhood you, you go through an earthquake and lose half your family or you, you know you're mm-hmm. torn from your family and you have to live somewhere else or you know suffer abuse or something that everybody that goes through that would end up with like ptsd and they would be weaker as a result but uh, but it turns out that some proportion of people are and another proportion become like super resilient right as a result right. of uh, yeah. having gone through it they, and and it's really difficult to tell which way they're going to go there's like a de- genetic component and, and there's a as a as a cultural thing as it might be a key person they met you know at a term of time in their life that helped them transform their their pain or their perception of suffering into something else and and that's not to say that some people just don't go through terrible things and it's really hard to recover from of course but it's right. um it's well known in the literature that like some of the strongest and most successful and um most you know confident and even brave and inspiring and compassionate people often have gone through terrible things in yeah. their own lives and then yeah, uh, kind of had it, to right? transcend it. It's kind of, they had to kind of sink or swim, you know, it's like, so, and system, it seems like a way of introducing adversity on purpose, you know, <laughs> just a bit, it's some discomfort. Like, it's that's, yeah. That's the difference. I mean, somebody says, well, adversity is good while well, in controlled ways, like medicine. Sure. Right? I mean, yeah, anything in moderation. And yeah. I like Michael's favorite motto is, um, everything in moderation, the way he says that is don't be fanatical about it. Yeah. However you do. I mean, you focus on, uh, even you know, even religion, even um, you know, spiritual matters, even yeah. things that matter to you most, you know, don't bring it to the extreme, or it becomes uh, counterproductive and even can destroy you. Don't miss your chance to train with senior systemic instructor Martin Wheeler at the four-day masterclass North Carolina, October 10th to 13th, 2019. The theme this year is Soft Work to Full Speed, a progressive multi-day exploration of fighting tactics, covering basic moving and striking, advanced grappling and takedowns, full speed knife and stick work, and tapping the unconscious mind in combat. The event is strictly limited to 35 persons, and advanced pricing is $650 for both days by April the 1st, with the option of a non-returnable deposit of $150 to hold your spot. Register online at ncsystema.com events, or email us for more details. You've written a couple of articles um, over the years as well on the, on the benefits of Systema for healing. I was just going through some of the back catalogues um, uh-huh. of stuff that you've written for the uh, uh, the online forum and things going back the way in. Um, so what experiences have you had with um, helping people to recover through Systema? Because this is something um, not everybody focuses on. Uh, a lot of people focus on Systema as a martial art. That's one thing that it yep. can do. But it seems to have so much more potential for people who aren't even studying specifically to defend themselves, just to get people from kind of broken up to very functional, you know, kind of this yeah. way. And, and I've seen my share of it over the years. I was just wondering about what, what your experiences were and, and what you've seen in, in your time. Well, I had many students come in for that reason. It's, you know, two types of people, like I said, their share of adversity, either they got broken as, as uh, athletes, you know, just like went to uh, beyond the, what they thought was beyond the point of return, you know, um, yeah. what do you call this? 
what they thought was not going to be repaired, uh, just completely broken physically and, and emotionally because, um, you know, they were looking for the what we call the big sport, you know, the big money sport and whatnot. Yeah. And they came back uh, and started looking for anything that will help them. Um, and, and some of them found Sistema. And what they are looking for in, in, in Sistema is really um, having tried different things. Um, I was lucky enough to have multiple people who came back, you know, not completely disheartened, but they were open heart, open-minded because mm. they said, you know what, I've seen so many things that don't work. Uh, I've I heard some results, you know, tell me what do I need to do? So they're coachable, right? Mm. And in that case, well, because, you know, professional athletes, that that's part of their, their makeup. Um, and so the challenge with those people is, of course, they're coachable, and then they want quick results too, mm. <laughs> so, because that's what they're used to seeing. And so some people who stayed and, and uh, I guess, practiced what we teach for, I would say there's a there's a critical mass of, of learning in everything. And of course, that's, that depends on the person, on, mm. on the background, on their, how quickly they, 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 they grasp things and, and internalize things. So with that said, I would say between two and four months, uh, I've seen people start clicking, you know, like, oh, oh that makes sense uh, mm. on the intellectual level, but the body level, I see results. Yeah. Then um, some people see first results and that's enough for them and they, they leave. Yeah, and people stick around for multiple years, right? Hmm. Um, my wife is a is a certified breathing teacher, so she combines Sistema breathing with movement. So she does movement therapy. Hmm. Um, uh, of course, people call it yoga. I, you know, she she hesitates. She doesn't call it yoga because it's not asanas or postures or sure. any energy healing movement. So it's really Sistema breathing combined with 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 free movement and relaxation and massage, hmm. right? And um, so. We were surprised the people who get attracted to it are typically the average age is between 60 and 70. Hmm. So they're closer to my parents' age, right? Yeah. And, uh, well, maybe that, that's part of the wisdom or part of the, they're just ready for that. And um, that's what my wife does. And, and she teaches people to move and breathe. And they're mostly females and they really don't have any aspiration to become warriors of any kind or you know, sure. uh, even for self defense purposes. So all they're looking for is the, because it feels good. And to me, that's the ultimate testament. If the person feels complete, whole, energized uh, at the end of the class, but not in a violent way, right? So it's, you, you have the extra energy and you feel that you, some things that were locked start moving. That's, yeah. that's what that matters to me. And, and so, and we have good experience with that. The oldest people, she teaches a couple, uh, he's 92 years old and she's 89. Wow. So... She's uh, not quite bedridden, but she she practices in bed, right? It, it's it's okay. It's, yeah. it's fine as long as they're open to coaching and uh, they follow. And the instructions and system were so simple hmm. uh, that you know that took me many years to to understand. Still working on that. I'm keeping it simple. Hmm. Uh, um, the simpler, the more effective, because then the person translated in their own internal language to make it effective for them. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought there's more. 
more capacity for Systema to work with with the elderly and uh, older people suffering from ailments that they've kind of some of whom they've just kind of given up on on things and been like, oh, this is yep. just getting old now, and this is I've, I now have to suffer incurable crappy shoulder, <laughs> and, yeah. and that's yeah. it. That's my life now. And then when you show them that, is it, you know, some some of it might be just sensory motor amnesia, and once you get them to kind of reprogram the nervous system a little bit and restore a bit of blood flow to that area, it can clean things out, and they might restore maybe not everything, maybe it's not curative, but it can really increase the quality of life for people right if they become more mobile even a little bit Absolutely. more mobile like able yeah. to get up yeah. and down off the floor and play with the grandkids and it makes a big difference these little things can make a big difference to psychological health too i think so. yeah old old and young i think this there's, there's a uh it's interesting people come to this life with no expectation right and no well some people say prior knowledge but well forgotten whatnot but little babies right they're so mm. open to new experiences they enjoy every second of it and little Little babies, you know, you get to define what that means. And mm. If you can carry that inside of you or remember that little child inside, and that's who gets trained in the system most efficiently, that mm. little child inside, inside. And then your success in, in um, you know, in, in mastering this, I guess, depends on how much of, a, of an oppression it gets from the from the, the mind, right? From <laughs> right. The, the big, the big analytical adult mind analytical, that's getting in the way of everything. Uh, censorship, right? So, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, I believe in both. I mean, constant between Constantine and and Michael and Vladimir, we have this nice balance uh, way of teaching for different psyche, for different types of of, of psychological makeup. Mm. Uh, Constantine is very analytical, su superbly analytical. He is a yeah. PhD. Is he thinks very distinctly, very step by step, but he is he's tapping into the feeling. Yeah, all the time tapping into the so-called so tentacles of perception or whatever the analogy sure. comes to mind, right? Um, and then you know, Michael obviously is is very very balanced and you know, mastering the feelings, but tapping into intellectual as well. Hmm. So that has to be balanced. I I don't believe you can master one and just uh, kind of you know, rest on laurels. You, you have to balance both. And hmm. what we have with the kids is they have this intrinsic balance between the two they're open their hearts are open their minds are open they're inquisitive they want to learn things understand things but also they want to experience things and feel uh, with, with their hearts hmm. and the same could be said with with some older folks you know who finally become like kids you know they they learn to to surrender hmm. learn to accept life and then they become coachable again so question is what do you do with with people in between <laughs> mm. <laughs> starting from maybe teenage years uh, or pre-teens yeah. uh, and so um, yeah so that, that is more difficult because mind is more active mm. but mind is a tool and I keep reminding my students that mind is great you know don't go crazy you know it's, it's not about losing completely and then being you know living on the streets and, and you know uh, becoming a, a, a dervish or a wandering <laughs> hobo um, wandering monk you know, some people do that but there's a balance, and if you look at Vladimir's life, it's very, very balanced. I mean, mm. he's um, he's been my role model for many years. Mm. In that sense, is that he is uh, he appreciates worldly things. He appreciates a good vacation, you know, uh, at the end of beach or, or you know, a, a good food and all that. He appreciates that, but it doesn't master him. He, so he can choose. He can live with nothing, or he can appreciate what he has. Mm. Uh, so from humble beginnings, I, and for me, the same. I. Keep going back to the day where, um, you know, four of us shared the dorm room uh, with uh, a sink mm. and um, four bunk beds and the, and the 
and a table, <laughs> right, the right. desk. And of course, you know, the showers and the, the 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 bathrooms are at the end of the corridor. You just have to get there. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So appreciate what you what you have is in the same. I think goes in Sistema. So we start Sistema having lost that ability to appreciate things, to appreciate uh, the learnings, right? And the body is just like, yeah, 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 whatever, right? You, you get this a lot with newer, you know, millennials, and and they just need they have about a two seconds attention span. Yeah. Um, so Sistema teaches you well, a expand that that uh, that attention span. And within that, really capture the moment and, and feel what what the hell is going on inside the, the body, mm. because most schools I don't think there's you know PE the physical education the school teaches you internal stuff it mostly is external yeah the size of the bicep you know the pounds you can lift or kilograms the seconds you can run and all that it's all external appearances um, and then what Sistema fills is that huge void inside that you feel disproportionately you know it's 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 not developed in modern society that in that internal internal study of yourself and what's going on inside yeah definitely i've i actually got called in to work with um some students at um a university nearby um who were uh on a, a debate team down there and they were uh-huh. having trouble with the internal aspects of that you know externally they were good arguers they could study cases yeah, and wait, they could wait do things Frank, yeah? yeah it was down there yeah and uh, it was um yeah they have a good team yeah really good and they were a good debate team but they're, they're, but they could get riled on the inside right or they could get and there's this kind of difficult uh, interplay between the idea of debate, which is kind of, you know, it's conflict, right? So it happens, it's going backwards and forwards it's and there's things up, happening. It's set up as a conflict. It's set yeah. up as a conflict. And then this whole kind of new idea and kind of millennial, post-millennial uh, universities of like a safe space and everybody has the right not to be, a, you know, to be not offended and all that that kind of thing. And a certain amount of that is necessary and justified. And some of it sure. is like, well, it's a little bit wishful thinking. You know, the, the world is a big scary place where people offend you and if you find offense everywhere it's very very difficult um you know to get through it you know so I've, i was called in to to kind of coach them a little bit on internal environment and awareness I and mean, we did fairly basic systemic drills and ramped them up and and by the end of it they were like pushing and shoving each other having a good mm-hmm. time with contact they deep massage they were stepping on each other they're having a really good time with it and uh, interestingly the one of the instructors told me that his inspiration for getting me in was uh, your son right who's a champion in the in the university debate and and now goes on to coach yeah. other people and they're like yeah his father's a systemic instructor and we just you know we knew there's some something to this russian stuff <laughs> so, yeah, so thanks met, to you for giving me that gig we <laughs> met with the uh, the coach there uh, actually had a face-to-face and uh, he he wanted anthony my son to uh, to be on his team and of course you know he tried to make it work for for that university he chose a different one um hmm. you know and then there was he studies in kentucky now so what well anthony was a um, acting uh champion national champion of high school debate Hmm. And then last year he was national champion of college, which is unusual because he did this at, uh, in his junior year. Most yeah. of the time it takes many years to get to build up to it. And senior year people, when, when people, you know, finally get it. And so they had team of, of, of juniors, uh, which was the first time I can't remember. It was, it was a great record. It was like the first time in, in 20 years or something that they had a perfect winning record. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, I lost your video, by the way. So. Oh, hang on. Oh, good. We'll we'll get it back. We'll be okay. The sounds we'll the sounds good. Sounds good. <laughs> as long as we still got sound, sound, that's the main thing. Yeah, the sounds okay. <laughs> so, so he was. Um, I, I think there was a reason for that. Unfortunately, you know, a lot of you know study and and he dedicated his his life to this. I mean, he's he's being that was his his main thing since age of maybe thirteen or so. Mm-hmm. He got 
excited about this and, and he realized that he, he has potential. But I think the most important thing is, is, is as we mentioned, of course, you can train, um, you can teach a person, you can get them in the, in the mindset of, of, of becoming a champion. But the challenge with these debates is that um, the way it's set up is you have a speech and then your, your opponent has a speech and then you go back and forth, you know, uh, protecting or defending an argument or, or a set of arguments. And they speak really fast, so they have to really keep track of all the arguments that come out really fast at a really like, uh, uh, amazingly fast pace. You know, if you heard some of the like rappers like you know, Eminem or, or, or others who can... Uh, flow. It's called spreading, because spreading, like the flow, the flow at, the, at the speed of, I don't know, 300 hour, uh, words per minute or 400 words per minute. Mm. It's hard to really hear it. Well, they need to keep track of this and stay alert for long periods of time. A, tip, mm. a typical day of a, of a tournament starts at 8, and sometimes, like the day of the final, they're not done by midnight. So it's an 18-hour day. They do have breaks, they, they eat and all that, but, you know, you can have six rounds of debate, um, two hours each. Yeah. During which you either prepare your, your speech or you are listening to, to your opponent speak. And so it's a marathon, right? But yeah. it's a marathon where you have to run at a sprint pace. Mm. That makes it unique. Uh, they say this 1,500 meter or 800 meter uh, race is that because you cannot run slow. You have to run fast, but it's a long time. You have to you know, really have stamina and, and, and pace both. Mm. And so what Anthony, his solution to that was he's been practicing with me since age of 10 and he's He's done pretty well. I mean, he, he never cared about these, the self-defense so much because mm. we live in a in a safe neighborhood in, in suburbs, so he never had to deal with bullies and all that. And just you know, being a, a balanced individual anyway. So, but he was looking for that application. And before preparing for a speech, you get say four minutes to get prepped to answer 17 arguments. So you really have to be efficient. Yeah. So you have to remember. What am I going to say about this one? Okay, what am I going to say about that one? How's that, how does that flow logically? Hmm. And so it takes a tremendous amount of concentration. I don't believe I have that, but it takes, <laughs> it takes years of practice, yeah. right? And so what Anthony did, which was unique uh, compared to others, he would pause but before getting into this you know, preparation. He would pause for you know, 10, 15 seconds and breathe into his body, find hmm. his body, find it it's still here, and kind of a quick thank you all, I still have my body, I appreciate being here. That gets them on a different level of uh, vibration, if you will. Or, mm. or them, and people say, well, you're wasting your time. And so, no, I'm, I'm going to be twice as efficient when I'm focused. On right. That. Yeah. Also, when you spread, and that's really talking like, I don't know, uh, it is nothing like this. It's it's just quite a, for my dad, uh, he's 71 now, it's still a shock. He's like, great, congratulations, but I hate the way you speak. I can't understand a word. <laughs> Like yeah, that's what you do. You you pack as many arguments as you can in this five five minute interval, right. and then of course you have to be thinking as quickly. For which breath is that's what that connects your, you know, we we'll say eye hand coordination. In this case, uh, mind mouth coordination, right? Sure. Is that special breath? And so he modified the breath, and basically he I watched him debate the the in the college years versus his high school, and I believe in college years he actually applied the key principles of systemic breathing. Mm. more and he became more efficient and more relaxed yeah. and you, know, you, you if you look at two candidates even political candidates you know you feel that the guy who's more relaxed probably has less things to hide or he's more honest or whatever we just think sure. subconsciously yeah and a more relaxed guy tend, tends to win you know all other things being equal yeah there was, a, there was an interesting example i think in that old political issue i think it was um i want to say it was nixon versus 
Kennedy in an old debate or something like that. And yeah. I think Kennedy trounced him. Uh, oh, sorry, Nixon trounced him intellectually. Like he was a really smart guy. He was really sharp, and he had every. Oh, argument. Agree, yeah. He was like bah, 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 and he was going and he was going, but he was so tense and he was so kind of aggressive with it that he came across as just unlikable, right? And so everybody, right. yeah. <laughs> everybody cast their vote with the guy from Boston they go for a beer with instead of the the intellectual who could maybe do the job, you know, something like that. Which, not to say JFK wasn't a good president, I don't know, but um, but it was just interesting that that was the perception, right? It's just like, yeah, he's smart, but he's mean. Right? That's kind exactly, of right. Yeah, if you want to have yeah. a, mean, a mean president that can nuke somebody, right? Yeah. Even, even if he's smart. Right? Especially at that time, yeah, that was that was the worry. <laughs> Maybe coming back around again, who knows? So, so, um, so I mean, this it's such a wide open subject. I, I think we're going to have to get back onto another podcast so we can uh, we can open up all the all the yeah. similarities between uh, these kind of verbal conflict and physical conflict and things like that. But um, was respectful of your time now, and I've got about to do teacher class as well. Yeah. So, um, but so if there's one thing that you've um, taken from your, your years of training yet yeah, and working and translating for all these great masters of Sistema, what's what's the what's one thing that you would kind of take away that you would pass on to other people getting into Sistema? Well, um, of course, many things, but I remember the very first time I asked Vladimir about getting certified as an instructor. He yeah. said, so we have this kind of a, a void. I mean, we have nobody to teach, and uh, what does it take to become an instructor? And I remember we were sitting at the back of a, of, of a dining hall at, uh, in Canada when we, we had this, you know, the, the seminar. Yeah. And um, he said, spend more time with your kids. Spend more quality time with your kids. Hmm. He didn't say it was his way of saying you're too uptight, you know, you're too intellectual. Learn from your kids. Hmm. Get to become the real father who's present, as opposed to um, you know just the, the breadwinner, right? So hmm. it's more important to be there for them while they're young, especially. Hmm. And I took it hard, you know. It took took a while that my my family, uh, I guess. Well, I'm very lucky. I have a great family, uh, wife, three three sons. And um, I think without Sistema, I would have been the Nixon of the family. I would have been that intellectual mm. with high IQ who's always right and mean and nasty. And we also have, you know, <laughs> situations like that, too. But uh, Sistema is, is a unique tool that, that helps me reconnect with the family and also with the customers. I had great success, you know, in the, in the previous few years. Was uh, My job was for the last few years... Uh, which I, I transitioned last year, but five years prior to that was basically winning the accounts back. I was called a takeaway manager, mm. so I couldn't lose. I only mm. dealt with customers who already went to the competition. They already hated my company for whatever reason. Either we didn't, the price wasn't right, or they hated the salesperson, or they didn't like the product, or didn't understand the benefits the products brought. Mm. And so it's the same thing. Of course, everybody's your customer, right? Your family. Your, your loved ones, everybody, you, you, you're, you're making life better, hopefully, by, by the fact you're present in it. And so it's the same exact thing. It's, it's, it's kind of finding the same exact approach, which Vladimir called expanding the soul uh, in the recent seminar. He, did, he didn't use that expression in the past, I don't, I don't think. He just yeah. uh, had this the connection, the nonverbal connection, non-intellectual connection with another human being. Hmm. Where you basically sit or stand next to them, and you include them into the field of what you define as yourself. Hmm. You expand your soul, embrace them with your heart. Hmm. And maybe I I don't know if I was doing that or, or whatever, but you know definitely my relationship with my kids improved dramatically, and with those customers who were 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 
honestly pissed off with, you know, whatever happened. They, they, they didn't like whatever happened, and now I had to, to, to mend the bridges, all right? Same thing. So, of course, there's techniques, right? They teach you uh, in sales schools that you have to mirror the person, like to sit a certain way. Sure. And yeah. if you sit the same way, that creates rapport. It's, it's part of that, but that's, that's artificial. Hmm. That's external. That's the same analogy we had with, you know, the external body and the athleticism and the size of your bicep. Uh, well, the size of the mental bicep matters as well. Uh, and in this case, you connect with the person this, on this nonverbal level. And you do the exact same thing as you, as you do with an attacker. Even though it's not physical, of course, but it's it's on the mental level. They're upset, they're unhappy, they're not coming from a good place. Hmm. And so your job as a systemic practitioner in this case is to bring peace and the high level of vibration to that situation. Hmm. Now, how you do that is hard to explain. You have to come to classes and then experience that. Everything we do with partner work and hmm. with solo work actually is, is contributing to that. But this expanding the soul, if you will, that, that really resonated me throughout, with me throughout the years. That's phenomenal. With, That's with, with kids. My third child was born with no you know, pain medications or anything. Uh, it was at home. It was so nice and, and peaceful. And a new project... In the in the business world, it's it's like the birth of a child. So deal with this with the same way. So you you embrace the people you're dealing with with your heart, and um, hope hope for the better. Some people are open, some people are not. As they say, you know, uh, SW SW SW, right? Some <laughs> some will, some won't. So what? Some <laughs> Four SWs, right? So some will, some won't. Some um, so what? Someone's waiting. <laughs> That's great. That's that's phenomenal advice, man. And so it's timely for me as well. Sometimes it's all it's all too easy to uh, get into the rat race of things and, and forget what's right in front of you and to be present and open to things. And um, that's, that's great advice for everybody listening. I'm sure. So if people want to find you and um, train with you in Chicago, um, where can they find you online? Best way is to go to uh, Vlad's website, okay. RussianMartialArt.com. There's uh, contact information. My uh, my system, my website is Sistema, RussianMartialArt.com. Okay. So one word, systemarussianmartialart.com. I know it's a mouthful, yeah. but it, it's got all the keywords in there. Great. Well, I'll stick that on the uh, show notes so that people can click oh, straight through. And hopefully we'll yeah. send a few more Chicagoans your way. That'd be great. That's well, cool. Thank well, thanks thank so much, Dimitri. I'd love to have you back on the show again if, uh, if you can um, spend some more time for us uh, in, a, in a month or two. It's, it's a oh, fascinating absolutely. chat, and there's absolutely. obviously lots more to explore. <laughs> oh, cheers, man. Thank, thank you. you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com. Mm-hmm.